thoughts on living our Christian life? A Christian life needs to be a sanctified life. The word sanctified simply means set apart. It refers to something that is distinguished or sacred. God instructs us to keep our lives pure of sin and to live in a way that is set apart to God. As we live the sanctified life, God can use us in his service. 2 Timothy 2.19 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We as Christians, we serve a holy God. The defining attribute of God is his holiness. Isaiah 6.3 And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now God is not only free of sin, but he should be exalted above all. Exodus 15.11 Who is like unto thee, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like thee, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders. God calls us to live holy lives because we are his children. We should live holy lives unto God, set apart lives unto God, sanctified lives unto God. Because God is holy, he calls us, his people, to live holy lives. 1 Peter 1, 14-16 As obedient children... Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. That conversation is your lifestyle, how you live your life. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. As obedient children, when once we become saved, once we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior, we are his children. We are the sons of God, the children of God. So God is talking to us here as obedient children. Not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust or the old man or your old sinful nature. Not fashioning yourself, not making yourself, not living like your former lust, the old man, the sinful nature. That, that you did in your ignorance before you were saved, but now you are saved. Now you are children of God. And because you are children of God, if you are obedient children of God, it says, But as he which hath called you holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation and in every aspect of your life. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. We should be distinct in our speech, distinct in our relationships, distinct in our philosophy and our beliefs, distinct in how we interact with our family, our loved ones, our wife, our children, distinct in our appearance. Every aspect of our life should show forth the holiness of God, show forth that we are part of God's family. This truth is the doctrine of separation. Separating, not isolating ourselves from the world, but just separating ourselves, a distinction. We should be visibly recognized in all manner of conversation, in every aspect of our life, that we are the children of God. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 says, Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Today we live in a culture that glorifies immorality. Many new Christians have lived in a immoral lifestyle, have had immoral attitudes, have dealt with immoral temptations throughout their life. If this is something that you have struggled with or something that you still struggle with, share that with a trusted Christian that you know, that, that you can trust for counseling. And with their help, you can break free from that struggle. But you need accountability. You need to ask someone to be accountable, accountable for you to help you 
live proper Christian life, to help you steer away from that temptation. Do everything you can to make yourself as accountable as possible to stay away from those type of sins. The world wants us to conform to it, but we need to be conforming to God instead. We need to be renewing our worldview in God's word instead. Romans 12.2 says, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God's grace develops holiness in the life of a Christian. You and I simply cannot sustain a life of holiness on our own. But God's grace helps to develop that in our life. God's grace helps to develop that grace in our life as we mature in our Christian walk, as we become more sanctified, as we continue and journey on that sanctification process in our life. God can develop that grace in our life. Titus 2, verse 11 to 12 says, For the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Now it's important to understand that every Christian at some point in time is tempted. Usually on a daily basis we're tempted in some way, shape, or form. And there is no shame in being tempted. Temptation is going to come. Our Lord was tempted. The problem comes is when we give in to that temptation. Martin Luther said, you can't stop a bird from flying over your head, but you can stop him from building a nest on top of your head. We cannot keep temptation from coming. Remember, Jesus was also tempted. The key to victory is improperly responding when we are tempted. Satan came to Jesus, three specific temptations, and he uses those with believers still today. First, he tempted Jesus to meet a legitimate need, to satisfy temporal hunger. He tempted him to meet a legitimate need in an illegitimate way, using divine power to satisfy a temporal, selfish purpose. Secondly, he tempted Jesus to presume on God's protection by throwing him off the temple and asking God to rescue him from the consequences of his actions be kind of like if we were abusing grace. We know there's going to be consequences to our actions. We sin anyway, and then we ask God to rescue us from those consequences. Finally, he tempted Jesus to avoid pain and suffering on the cross by bowing down and worshiping Satan rather than worshiping God. How many times are we tempted and we actually give into that and worship that thing that is from Satan? that music, that uh, worldly lifestyle, that worldly drink. We bow down to that and we worship Satan rather than God. We abuse the grace of God and then presume upon God to ask us to rescue us from the consequences of abusing that grace. We try to meet a legitimate need in a very illegitimate and sometimes immoral ways. But remember, in each temptation, Jesus responded with what? He responded with the word of God. He said, it is written. He quoted Old Testament passages that opposed Satan. We need to be doing the same thing. We know our weaknesses. We know where we need help. We need to be searching out scripture, memorizing scripture to help guard us, to help build that hedge of protection in those areas in our life. And we are tempted. We need to start quoting that scripture to help us get through that temptation. But Jesus gave us that pattern to follow. He established a pattern of using scripture 
to help contradict, to help go against, to help us fight temptation, to help us fight Satan when he's tempting us in certain areas. Jesus used scripture, and we need to be doing the same thing as Jesus did. Each time we are tempted, we have an opportunity to escape and to avoid that sin. Someone said the reason it's so hard to overcome temptation is that we don't want to discourage it completely. We kind of like a little bit of it. But yet, instead of allowing that temptation to linger, which almost always will lead to sin, we should do as Jesus did and rebuke that temptation immediately with the Word of God. This is very important for us to do. Now, going back to grace. Does grace mean we have a free ticket to do as we desire? No, not at all. That is not what it means at all. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. Galatians 5.13 Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Don't abuse that grace. Don't abuse that grace saying, well, God's going to forgive me anyway. I'm going to go ahead and do what I want to do, live the way I want to live do the things I want to do, then I'll just ask for forgiveness. And if there's any consequences, I'll just ask the Lord to help me with those consequences too. You've been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh. Galatians 5.13 Many people today have this view of grace. They view grace as a license or free pass to live however they want. They say, Christ has paid for my sins, so I'll do whatever I want to do. It's already forgiven anyway. Sadly, they miss the very essence of grace. God's grace gives us the power to say no to sin, to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. Next time you are tempted to sin, remember God's grace. And remember that he gives it to you to give you the power to say no to sin, not to have the liberty to sin and live any way you want. It's to give you that power over sin. Romans 14, 3-5 Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth. For God hath received him. Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up. For God is able to make him stand. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. Romans 14, 3-5 There are some completely clear-cut commandments in the Bible. For instance, we all know that it is right to share the gospel with others and it is wrong to steal. There are many areas with black and white instructions for us. And it is always a mistake for us to seek God's direction in such matters because he's already told us. But, in other cases there is no commandment, so he must apply the principles of scripture to make a decision about whether something is acceptable or not. And not just go with how we feel, not just go with an opinion we may have, we need to actually diligently search scripture, learn scripture, search scripture in context to be able to apply scriptural principles to those things that where there's no clear-cut commandment. Our own opinions may be right and they may be wrong, but God's word is always right and scriptural principles are always right. Our opinions are not always right. 1 Corinthians 11:23 to 26 says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, and the Lord Jesus, that same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup which he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it, in remembrance of me. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Now separation 
and personal holiness. We believe that Christ's ultimate sacrifice demands our complete consecration. And we desire that our daily living will reflect the holiness of our great God. We believe that members of the church should live a life that is distinct from the world. Distinct from the world. Would someone describe you as a little bit strange as compared to the world? Or do you blend in? Are you a stranger living in the world? Or do you look just like the world? Do you live just like the world? Do you speak just like the world? Do you look at things, watch things, do things just like the world? Or perhaps do you appear just a little bit different from the world? A little bit strange to the world? Or do you blend right in? Separation and personal holiness. God's ultimate sacrifice demands our complete consecration. Demands that we live a separate life. Demands that we live a holy life set apart unto God. Demands that we are diligently traveling down that sanctification road in our life. How strange are you to the world? How strange are you to the world? Or do you blend into the world? First John 3, 1. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear that we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. Are you working at purifying yourself? Are you working at living the kind of life that Christ would want you to live? Are you working at living your life according to biblical principles? following the clear-cut instructions of the Bible, being and acting a little bit different than the world, having uh, worldly people that may be associated with you, around with you, thinking, you're just a little bit strange for not doing that. You're just a little bit odd for not doing that. Now, I respect you for not doing that, but you're just a little bit strange. You don't quite blend in with us. Do you blend in with the world perfectly where they can't tell anything? Or do you stand apart a little bit? Are you living that separated life? Are you traveling down that road of sanctification, diligently seeking to become more like Christ every day? Our final point, the church, truth. The church is the guardian of truth. If you are a saved Christian, you are part of the church. Now, if the church won't hold and stand for the truth, who will? If you're saved, you're part of the church. If you're not going to stand fast on the truth, live the truth, implement the truth in your life, and stand for the truth, who's going to do it? The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. 1 Timothy 3.15 But I tarry long that thou knowest, may knowest how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of truth. Christians are to contend for the faith. Jude 3 Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Are you earnestly contending for the faith, even in your own life? Are you earnestly contending to live for the faith in your own life? Are you earnestly contending to discipline yourself, to give that temptation over to the Lord, to seek that immediate way away from that temptation, to ask God to help you? Are you memorizing the scriptures to help you with those temptations? Are you studying the Bible? Are you seeking to apply biblical principles to all areas of your life? Are you seeking to travel down that road of sanctification with everything you've got? Are you dedicating yourself to the Lord? Are you reading your Bible? Are you praying? Are you faithful to church? 
That is how you can earnestly contend for the faith in your own life. How you can personally earnestly contend for the faith in your own spiritual walk. Seeking to do what is right. Seeking to live for the Lord. Seeking to be a little bit strange to the world. Seeking to be set apart. Seeking to grow in sanctification to the Lord. Are you doing all those things? Are you honestly, earnestly contending for the, your own personal faith and your own personal walk? Are you living like a Christian should live? We shouldn't blend in. We shouldn't be the same. We shouldn't look just like the world. We should be giving it all for Christ. Music